0: It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on biblical truth and defend their faith. Now here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we're coming to you from KBXL 94.1 FM radio right here in Boise, Idaho. Now, again, this is called Defending the Faith, and I'm Mike Riddle. And we do have a website out there for any of you who are interested. It's called creationtraining.org. That's all one word creationtraining.org. And what we do is we talk about uh, matters of creation, evolution, and moral relativism, which are bombarding our students in the classroom every day. And we also talk, we have Many different topics we've been covering so far in these radio shows. Last week, we did a very interesting one called It's Creation, a Secondary Doctrine, and we found out biblically it is not a secondary doctrine. It's critical to understanding the Bible. Well, our topic today, is the Big Bang compatible with the Bible? Many Christians out there seem to think that God used the Big Bang. Well, before we make great statements like that, we should do our homework and research. We need to find out what is the Big Bang? How did God create... So we need to look at all those things. And incidentally, if we go a little fast today, you can always find this information, very similar information on our website, because we have a lot of 30-minute videos that are on our website. Matter of fact, over 80 of these videos that you can look at for free. So let's get started here. Is the Big Bang compatible with the Bible? Well, the Big Bang, what is it? It's a secular story about origins. When it was first proposed, it was an attempt to explain how the universe could have been created without God. Did you get that? It's a secular idea of how the universe was created without God. That was the original intent. Now, before we go any further, I want to make it clear that I'm not talking here about a battle between science and the Bible. The battle is not between science and the Bible. That is an incorrect statement for Christians to make. Why? Because God is the creator of all things, which means he created all the science we have out there. True science, you'll see, once you do your research, true science always will agree with God's Word. It's evolutionism that disagrees with God's Word, and it's also evolutionism that disagrees with real science. So now, what is this thing called the Big Bang? Well, it's a story about how the universe came into existence. It proposes that billions of years ago, the universe began in a tiny, infinitely hot dense point. In other words, all the matter, all the stars, all the galaxies, all the dust out there, all the planets, everything was all encapsulated into something about the size of a pea. Now, that's what they teach. It was all contained as a single point. That at some point it began to expand in a hot fireball. Now we're we're not teaching this is a dynamite explosion. That's not what the evolutionists teach. It's an expansion of space and time. That's the Big Bang. So the question is, did God use the Big Bang as part of his creation process? That's what we're here to examine. So let's look at three different evidences to answer this question. Number one is the Bible. What does the Bible teach about God's creation? Now, I want to remind you. We're not here to change God's word, we're not here to add to God's word. We will take God's word in the context he gave it to us. I will not let my understanding of science or anybody else's understanding of science change God's clear meaning. So that's evidence number one. Number two, let's look at logic, the Bible and the Big Bang. And evidence number three, science in the Big Bang. Is the Big Bang even scientific? Well, let's start with evidence one, the Bible and the Big Bang. Well, the Bible teaches that God created in six days. How do we know this? Well, we look at Genesis chapter one, we see the word day, and it has a number with it. Everywhere in the Old Testament, we have a number with the word day. It always means a literal day. There are no exceptions to them. And God defined his days. He said evening and morning, first day, evening and morning, second day. That makes these literal days. There's no way out of that, folks. Everywhere we see that in the Old Testament, it means a day. God even wrote it down in the Ten Commandments. Just to make sure we would not have any problem with this. For instance, in commandment number four, in Exodus 20, verse 11, God wrote this down. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. So God specifically said these were literal days. We're not going to change them. However, the Big Bang says billions of years. That is exactly the opposite of God's word. Now, the Bible teaches that God's works are perfect. In other words, the works of God are perfect. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse four, which says, he is the rock, his work is perfect. In other words, God's works are perfect. Creation is the works of God. So his creation was perfect. In Job 36, verse four, it says, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. In other words, God's knowledge is perfect. His works are perfect. And in Genesis 1, 31 God declares his creation perfect, very good. What does the Big Bang postulate? Creation is full of decay and destruction and is nowhere near perfect. Just the opposite of God's word. And again, we're not here to change God's word. Either the Big Bang is true and God's word is false, or God's word is true and the Big Bang is false. There is no in-between what we're seeing here. Now, the Bible teaches that God created all things. The Big Bang says God is not the creator of all things. Stars evolved all by themselves. Galaxies formed by themselves. Planets evolved by themselves. Well, let's take a look at this thing. God's the creator of all things. In Genesis chapter 1, it says he created in six days. This is not just mentioned in the book of Genesis. The whole Bible teaches God created all things. Again, Exodus 20, verse 11, we read, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. What does that tell us? God created all things, including the stars, the galaxies, and the planets. Isaiah 45, verse 12, it teaches, I have made the earth and created man on it. I, my hand, stretched out the heavens, and all their host. I have commanded. God created all things. Nehemiah 9, 6, You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Nehemiah 9, six. God created all things. He did not use the big bang. Jeremiah 32.17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Why are we limiting God by telling us, by telling him he used the Big Bang. Let's stop playing God, and let's start believing God's word. The Gospel of John, chapter one, verse three. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Acts 14, verse 15. The living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. God made all things. Ephesians three, verse nine. God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or prince, matters of powers, all things were created through him and for him. And then Revelation four, verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Ladies and gentlemen, is there any doubt that God created all things? This includes all the space, the stars, the galaxies, the planets, and all life. So is the Big Bang compatible with the Bible? Not unless you do not believe the Bible. It is very clear, folks. God's the creator of all things. He did not use the Big Bang. Now let's go to evidence number two, logic, the Bible and the Big Bang. Let's look at something called the law of non-contradiction. It is one of the basic laws in classical logic. There are many laws of logic. We're just going to look at one, the law of non-contradiction. It states that something cannot be both true and not true at the same time when dealing with the same context. For example, a chair in a room cannot be there and not there at the same time. So let's examine this according to the law of non-contradiction. We're going to compare the Bible versus Big Bang cosmology or evolutionism. In the Bible, It clearly states God created the Earth on day one and the stars on day four. It is very clear there, folks. So Earth first, then the stars. But the Big Bang teaches stars evolved first, then came the Earth. Those are opposite order. They both can't be true. The Bible teaches that God created the flying creatures, the birds, on day five, and the reptiles on day six. Evolution teaches reptiles came first, then birds. Those are opposite order. Both can't be true. The Bible teaches God formed this earth out of a watery mass. Evolution teaches it started as a hot fireball. Those are opposites. The Bible teaches God created the land plants on day three and the sun on day four. Knows land plants first, then the sun. Evolution teaches the sun evolved first, then came land plants. Those are opposite. The Bible clearly teaches man was here before death. But evolution teaches, and the Big Bang postulates Millions of years of death and decay before man. Ladies and gentlemen, these two are opposite. They cannot both be true. And there's only two ways we could have gotten here. Either we evolved or we created. There are no third choices. So is the Big Bang compatible with the Bible? No. Both the teachings of the Bible and logic show the Big Bang is not compatible with the Bible. Folks, we don't need the Big Bang to believe God's Word. God's Word is very explicit. All scripture is God-breathed. All of it is good for teaching, and not change it to be like the world. And finally, let's go to evidence number three now, science and the Big Bang. The Big Bang, we usually hear about in our schools and how great it is and how it's exact science, but do you know the Big Bang has many, many scientific problems? Most people are not aware of these because they are not mentioned In the textbooks. In other words, there's a a problem with integrity in our textbooks. It's called, let's teach evolutionism over real science. So let's start with problem number one, scientific problem number one, the origin of the universe. I'd like to start with a quote. It comes from an article called All About Science. Prior to the singularity, now we're talking about the Big Bang starting off as a single point. Prior to this singularity, nothing existed. Not space, time, matter, or energy. Nothing. I'm quoting now. Prior to the singularity, nothing existed. Not space, time, matter, energy, nothing. So, where in what did the singularity appear if not in space? We don't know. We don't know where it came from, why it's here, or even where it is. All we know is that we are inside of it, and at one time it didn't exist, and neither did we. Did you get what they're saying there? They don't know where this original matter came from to create this Big Bang. They have no clue, but they're saying it must have happened because we're here. Folks, that's not science. That is not science at all. Where did the matter come from to create this so-called Big Bang? Well, the universe is made up of space, time, and matter. Where could it have come from? Could it have created itself? Folks, that is not good science. Something cannot create itself. Other words, if you wanted the first matter to create itself, you gotta figure out what caused it. It can't cause itself. There's no energy, no mass out there, nothing. And incidentally, space, time, and matter, you can have space and time, but if you have no matter, there's nothing there. If you have matter and time, there's no space to pop yourself into existence. You, first of all, you have to have the space to come into existence. But all three of those must come into existence at the same time or it doesn't work. You cannot just have space and time or just time and matter. All three must come into existence at the same time. How in the world can matter pop itself into existence if there's no space to pop itself into existence? Folks, science is not very good to the Big Bang. This is a big problem for evolutionists. Where did the matter come from to create the Big Bang? Because we know from nothing, nothing comes. Let's take, for example, a discussion. What some Christians do to get around this is to say God created the first matter and then used the Big Bang. Well, I have a challenge to this. Where in the Bible do you find this? Ladies and gentlemen, that is not in the Bible. That is adding to God's word. See, the Bible tells us how God created over and over again. See, since the Bible does not, people will come back and make that claim. Well, Mike, the Bible doesn't say how God created. He could have used the Big Bang. Folks, that is a wrong statement. Read the Bible. See, the Bible teaches how God created. In Genesis chapter 1, we read, and God said 10 times, it says, and God said he spoke it into existence. Psalm 33, 6 and 9, we read, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made. He spoke and it was done. Ladies and gentlemen, it tells us right there how God did it. He spoke it into existence by his great power. Even in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 3, we read, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The Bible tells us God spoke it into existence. Let's stop denying the power of God. Let's stop bringing God down to our level. That is called idolatry. God told us what we need to know. He spoke into existence because he's all-powerful. He's all-knowledgeable. So problem number one, where did the matter come from to create the Big Bang? No explanation. Problem number two, galaxy formation. The Big Bang cannot explain the origin of galaxies. No one has ever observed a galaxy form. It's only speculation. Here's a quote from a gentleman in, his, in New Scientist from 1998. This scientist makes this statement. We have no direct evidence of how galaxies were formed or how galaxies evolved. That is a true statement. Why can't we teach our children the truth there? Because the truth about science does not agree with evolutionism. So, problem number one, where did the matter come from? No explanation. Problem number two, galaxy formation? No explanation. Problem number three is star formation. The Big Bang cannot explain the origin of stars. No one has ever observed a star form. Now, let me read you a standard story. The standard story as given from a high school science textbook. And it states, all stars form in much the same manner as the sun did. The formation of a star begins with a cloud of interstellar gas and dust called a nebula, which collapses on itself as a result of its own gravity. The condensed object will appear and become a new star. Ladies and gentlemen, that is absolutely false. We are guilty of teaching false information, false science, bad science in our textbooks. Why? Because here is what happens. You get these great big gas and dust clouds out there called nebulae. And yes, they do rotate around and because of the rotation, the gas and dust cloud will begin to collapse inward. But as it does so, it generates heat pressure and those molecules start moving faster and faster and faster. And that heat pressure, we can measure this, we can do experiments, observable experiments with this, is always stronger than the gravity and will always cause that cloud to expand outwards. Folks, that is the facts of science, what we are teaching in our textbooks is not good science. Someone needs to make sure our children learn the facts of science here and not evolutionism. That's why we need to be teaching this in the Christian schools, and we need to be teaching this in our churches. Let me read you a quote about star formation from Don DeYoung. He has his PhD in physics. The complete birth of a star has never been observed. That's a PhD physicist. Let me read you another quote from a PhD astrophysicist, Jason Lyle. Ph.D. Astrophysics, he states, It, star formation, has never been observed, nor could it truly be observed since the process is supposed to take hundreds of thousands of years. Gas in space is very resistant to being compressed into a star. Compression of gas causes an increase in magnetic field strength, gas pressure, and angular momentum. Stars do not form by natural processes. Here's Charles Latta, astronomer from the Harvard Center for Astrophysics. He states, and I quote, Despite its spectacular success in explaining the life stories and deaths of stars, the theory of stellar evolution is incomplete in a very fundamental aspect. It is not able to account for the origin of stars. There you have it, folks. We don't know where the stars came from unless you turn to the Bible on day four, and it states about our God. He made the stars also. That's the power of our great God. So where did the matter come from? No explanation. Galaxy formation? No explanation. Star formation? Just incorrect information. No one knows how they form. So problem number four is called population three stars. Population three stars. Now, let me explain what we mean by a population three star. First, the Big Bang, according to evolutionists, can only account for the three lightest elements, hydrogen, helium, and lithium. That's all can account for. The heavier elements are then produced, they're, we're told, by stars through nuclear fusion. Well, that's the first thing. Second, this means the first stars to form after the Big Bang would only can, contain the three lighter elements, and the next generation of stars would contain trace elements of heavier elements. In other words, not just the first three elements, but things like carbon, oxygen, and other heavier elements. Notice other words, the first stars containing only the three lightest elements are called Population 3 stars. In other words, Population 3 stars are the original stars. Third, if this is true, we should find some Population 3 stars out there that only contain these three lightest elements. The problem for the Big Bang is no Population 3 stars have been found. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is said to contain over 100 billion stars, and yet not one population three star has been discovered. It's as if all the stars started off with some of the heavier elements, not just the three lightest. So the Big Bang doesn't match the observable evidence. Let's go to problem number five, missing antimatter. Now, we're not talking science fiction here. We're not talking science fiction here. The Big Bang story speculates that in the beginning there was no matter, just energy. Then as the universe expanded, matter was created from energy. However, when matter is created from energy, it also produces something called antimatter. Yes, antimatter does exist. See, antimatter is the same as matter, except the charges of the particles are reversed. For example, in matter, the proton has a positive charge. In antimatter, the antiprotein has a negative charge. The problem for the Big Bang is that equal amounts of matter and antimatter should exist, but the visible universe is composed of almost entirely matter. There should be an abundance of, mat- of antimatter out there, and it has not been observed. So the Big Bang misses on that point. Problem number six, scientist, In 2004, a letter about the Big Bang was signed by 405 scientists stating, number one, an open exchange of ideas is not tolerated. In other words, when you talk about the Big Bang, you either agree with them or you must shut up. That is what they do. That's what the evolutionists are doing. You're not allowed to disagree with them. That's kind of like a cult, isn't it? And secondly, the Big Bang. This is what the 405 scientists agreed to. And these were not all Christians. The Big Bang today relies on a growing number of hypothetical entities, things that have never been observed. Wow! 405 scientists right there. And there could be a whole lot more if we included all the creation scientists. See, we've just gone through six scientific problems with the Big Bang. There are many others, such as, again, the, the origin. We went through the origin of matter, the origin of the galaxies, the origin of stars, population three stars, missing antimatter, and the Bible. Other problems like spiral galaxies wind themselves up too fast is a problem for the Big Bang. The existence of comets is a problem. Supernova remnants is a problem. The flatness problem, missing monopoles. There are many problems with the Big Bang. You know how many of these are generally discussed in our biology textbooks and physics textbooks and astronomy textbooks? Zero. Isn't that a shame that we don't teach science anymore? So, now, why are so many people in church today, why do they want to insert the Big Bang into the Bible? Well, there's several reasons they want to do this. Number one, some actually believe evolution is true. It's been indoctrination through the education system. In other words, they're not familiar with what the Bible teaches. Some have never heard the truth about the Big Bang. In other words, the problems. Some want to be friends with the world. In other words, they would rather believe the world than God's word. And some don't believe the Bible's real history. Those are some of the reasons people insert the Big Bang They simply do not have a biblical worldview to start with. Now, each of these ends up being a result of a lack of teaching in the home, lack of teaching in the church, and lack of teaching in Christian schools. In other words, it appears the world is out educating the church. Do you know evolutionists are more faithful to their model of evolution than many Christians are to the Bible? See, we're not being equipped to defend our faith today. We're not ready for the battle that is taking place. Many people don't realize the Big Bang is not just a story about how the universe began. It's also a story about how it will end. According to the Big Bang story, the universe will continue to expand for billions of years until it runs out of energy, and then it will remain that way forever in a state of virtual heat death. But the Bible teaches us the world will be judged, and all things will be made new. Paradise will be restored. Revelation 21.1 reads, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Revelation 21, 5, chapter 21, verse 5 reads, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, And there should be no more curse. See, the Big Bang denies the crucial teachings of God's word. If we deny God's word in the beginning by stating he used the Big Bang, then to be consistent, we also have to deny that God will come to judge and make all things new. Throughout time, man has asked many questions. Questions like, how did our universe begin? How old is our universe? How did matter come to exist? Where did we come from? These are not simple questions from a secular point of view. Throughout history, much time and effort has been spent looking for some clue. Yet after all this time and energy spent to find answers to these questions, the real answer is staring him in the face. And it comes from Psalms chapter 33, verses 6 and 9, and it states, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I'm Mike Riddle. This has been Defending the Faith, coming from from KBXL 94.1 FM Radio right here in Boise, Idaho. Again, we have a website called creationtraining.org. That's all one word, creationtraining.org. We offer training courses. We will help you get your people trained so that your people can start teaching it in your churches and in your Christian schools. We offer one-day training courses, such as basic creation training for teens and above, a one-day advanced apologetics book that answers the questions, where did God come from, how can you call God good if he allows evil to exist. We have a one-day training class on teacher training. What does the Bible say about how we should teach, how we should measure our success as a teacher? How did Jesus teach? A great course for Christian school teachers and especially a great course for anybody who wants to teach Sunday school, how to teach for success. We also have another one-day course, called Christian Educators Conference. One day, what you need to know if you want to start teaching creation evolution. If you'd like to help us keep these things free, if you'd like to help us be able to travel around this country and train others how to defend the faith, we need your help to do this. You can go to our website to see how to donate online. That's creationtraining.org. Or you can email us if you have any questions. That's info, I-N-F-O at creationtraining.org. Go to our website and see how you can help support what we're trying to do, train others how to speak and teach about creation so that our next generation can stand firm on God's Word and defend their faith against false doctrines. Again, this is Mike Riddle. This has been Defending the Faith. Thank you, and God bless you. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 941 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.